Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Pod Extra, bringing you the latest energy market developments in these unprecedented COVID-19 times. Joining me, Richard Sverson, on the podcast today is Peter Stiles, who is the Executive Vice Chair of the EFET Board. A warm welcome to you, Peter. Thank you very much, Richard. Good morning. Morning. So how are you doing in these COVID-19 times, Peter? How are you coping with it? How am I personally doing? Yeah. I'm personally doing fine. I'm speaking to you from my house in Canterbury. Thankfully, we have a fairly large house here for a family of four. Uh, as I speak, both my children are working online. Uh, also, as I speak, my wife is doing an exercise class online. Mm-hmm. The main risk in this household currently is probably that the uh, Wi-Fi doesn't bear the load. Okay. Fingers crossed the Wi-Fi holds. <laughs> uh, we also have a, a, a nice garden, so we're all right. If you're asking me about EFET, we can talk about that separately, of course, as an organization. Sure. We'll hopefully get back to that. But, you know, over over your years in the energy market, Peter, you've seen many ups and downs, many changes. And how, how does this COVID-19 situation compare to previous lowdowns or crises? Well, it is unprecedented. It's very different in nature from what we experienced in 2001, 2002. You'll remember that was the period of disruption in the markets and in particular the tech stock crash, uh, which led to the the bankruptcy of the company I was working for at the time, which was Enron. Uh, And then in the wake of that, of course, we had the departure of nearly all the American companies that had already come into the, the European wholesale power and gas markets in the late 90s and the early part of this millennium. I also remember very clearly 2008, 2009, a more financial crisis, but which of course then also led to disruption in the markets and to um, price volatility. I remember very well one night sitting at a temperature of about 35 degrees, even late in the evening uh, on a terrace in Budapest, discussing, must have been in June 2008, whether the oil price could actually uh, reach $150, because at that time it was already about 140 And uh, was this durable? And if so, what did it mean for energy markets? But of course, the rest of that year is history. And we, uh, we then had a bit of a shakeout, a further shakeout in the um, types of company and the size of company in the market. How this one plays out in the longer term, I think we we have yet to see. But in terms of the challenges to the operation of trading floors of our member companies and the stability of the trading operations, I think that's that's the unique thing here. The effect on um, the actual market at the moment, as you know, is limited. But I mean, how would you describe the impact so far of COVID-19 on Europe's wholesale markets and on the trading community? Well, I think the impact on the trading community, uh, if, you, if you look at the challenges for front office operations, especially, but also middle office and back office and support departments, the challenges they face should not be underestimated because it, you know, it's been um, conventionally assumed that you cannot run a sophisticated commodity and derivatives trading operation otherwise than from a kind of unified 
trading floor where lots of people sit right next to each other with great big screens, maybe six or eight in front of them. They're constantly messaging. They're constantly on the phone and online in other ways. And that they need to be able to shout across to each other and that they need to be working long hours together. And that you could not, including for regulatory reasons, just relegate these front desk uh, operatives, if you will, to some, some room remotely in their own homes. And yet it has, it has happened. Now, it's true there are some uh, types of activity like the dispatch of power plants and the very short-term short optimization operations around that dispatch, which do still have to be run physically from a bank of screens in some location, most likely uh, actually at a power station or very near a power station. Nonetheless, most of these functions, including front desk, have been successfully dispersed in virtually all companies all around Europe. And that is a great achievement in itself. The same goes for back office. And, you know, whether that again will mean some permanent change and some change of attitude to the use of and payment for office space, we'll have to see. If we're talking about markets, I think, I think actually what we observe is the resilience of markets, the ability of wholesale markets in power and gas and in European Union emission allowances, you know, notwithstanding volatility, notwithstanding the drop in demand, notwithstanding the drops in prices across the board, different uh, timeframes of the market, different commodities, different contracts, the market has coped. And uh, talk of emergency situation being declared or markets being suspended, which, which we heard right at the beginning of the lockdowns, I think that talk has subsided and wholesale markets have shown that they, they can cope. Absolutely. How, how about liquidity? How has that been impacted if at all, by this, yeah. I mean, there's obviously been uh, there's been a massive drop off in demand, very large in some countries. Supply has held up. There's not been a security of supply issue at all, which has been quite uh, quite impressive. But how about um, liquidity? Well, in, in electricity and gas markets. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a a limited window on liquidity because I'm not sitting watching a trade port screen uh, every day. <laughs> sure, and. Um, I'm not tracking the activities of all the exchanges. But as far as I see and as far as I hear from our member companies, we don't really see an elevated liquidity risk, even if the natural levels of liquidity have dropped a bit owing to the drop-off of demand and the limited availability in some periods of the day or the week of some of the functions may have led to uh, some reduced trading activity at times of the week or times of the day. Now, compared with liquidity risk, which is, is really not perceived to be a problem at the moment, I think the focus on credit risk is perhaps worth mentioning because this is the one which is 
in some respects, worrying our member companies more. Absolutely. Please, please go on, Peter. I mean, this is, I was going to ask you about that, you know, the risk of some companies going under under very difficult circumstances. Well, if we're talking about the risk of bankruptcies, that's one thing. I mean, I should make it clear, I have no personal knowledge or, or even suspicion of um, particular bankruptcies of particular companies worrying traders in the market. I think generically we can say that the risks to smaller companies are greater and it would be a truism to say that the most heavily indebted companies would be the ones facing greater difficulties even if they are of a larger size. However, more broadly spread problem uh, in terms of, of credit risk is the trend that we see of some governments suspending the insolvency laws or altering their insolvency laws so that a declaration of bankruptcy or a, a liquidation or administration of a company is effectively not possible or outlawed for a period during the lockdowns. The intention here of governments uh, where they've done this being to stop runaway defaults and to stop companies being forced to pay cash when their cash levels, cash resources are low. The trouble with this is that uh, once you remove uh, what's regarded under the EFET master contract, for example, as a kind of safety net of knowing that you could call a, a default, call a credit event, if your uh, counterpart is not going to pay you or is unable to pay you, then you effectively encourage companies to ask for more collateral and you may disturb the margining requirements on exchanges. So I think we have seen some of this kind of disruption. Okay. I also wanted to ask you, Peter, about you mentioned, you know, this uh, this quite astonishing transformation from, you know, very busy trading floors to remote working. Does that pose any regulatory risk here in terms of, you know, problems for oversight of, of markets? If you would speak to uh, financial regulatory bodies, they might say that they have relaxed the rules that require transactions only to be concluded by a recording at a trading desk within a certain building, within an office building, that they've removed those requirements or relaxed them temporarily with reluctance. But again, I have not heard any reports of um, tangible concerns uh, about the supervision of markets. Uh, I think that this has worked actually quite seamlessly. And, you know, in reality, I think, the re real risk, the real likelihood of um, any illicit activity, of any, uh, let's say, intentional market manipulation, that kind of thing, in these stretched circumstances, in these strange times, probably the likelihood of, of these sorts of things being plotted or hatched, if you will, to use mm. quasi-criminal <laughs> jargon, mm. Uh, uh, must be limited because it, you know effectively everybody else has got better things to do uh, and um, they've got the basic business to be getting on with. Absolutely. Final question, Peter. What are your concerns about the post-COVID-19 world? 
apart from the possibly enduring elevated credit risk and the possibility of uh, an enduring change to insolvency laws, which which really would be quite bad. There's, there's one still under consideration by the UK Treasury Department, for example, which EFED is, we're working very hard on to try to clarify it and, and eliminate it, hopefully, alongside FIA and ISDA and some other industry associations. But there are two other areas of risk, which I've already been discussing with the board, with our chair and my fellow vice chair, non-executive vice chair. I've discussed it with European Commission officials last week, that the way in which governments and European institutions approach the energy markets in future in the wake of this crisis could be colored by the financial and economic outfall from it. What do I mean by that? I'm thinking of um, the likelihood that we will get more state aid exemptions, that there will be pushes for more financial support to a variety of businesses. I'm not talking about necessarily in the energy sector, which has not suffered very much, but a kind of general loosening of the attitude to giving state aid, even a loosening of of attention to antitrust. And that particularly in the context of the Green Deal, which the European Commission has announced, and the, um, the moves to carbon neutrality over the coming couple of decades, which quite a few governments are, are really, or have said prior to this crisis, that they're intent on pursuing, that if you put those two together, there is, I think, a risk that we see markets not so much appreciated or at least overlooked. And I'm, I'm concerned about the possibility of an abandonment of strict unbundling principles, for example. I would not want to see TSOs, for example, being given a um, privileged role which could breach the underlying principle of unbundling, a privileged role in, for example, the development of uh, low-carbon fuels or a privileged role in um, development of storage. I think we have to insist, uh, and it's up to EFET primarily amongst industry associations to do this, that the wholesale markets have weathered the storm, that state aid rules and unbundling rules should be observed strictly in the future, and that as we move to a carbon neutral economy and a carbon neutral society, actually it would be good to harness wholesale energy markets and market mechanisms, and maybe even create new market instruments to help us in the drive towards that carbon neutral future. We mustn't let dealing with this crisis in whatever form we do that in the coming year, two years, three years, we mustn't let that stand in the way of that opportunity. Peter, thank you very much for joining the Montel Pod Extra today. It's my pleasure. Well, listeners, that's all for today. Remember to tune in every day at 5 o'clock CET on covid19.montelnews.com via the Montel website and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please remember to tune into the Montel Weekly as well every Friday, where we'll be bringing you all the relevant energy market news and updates. Thank you. 
Bye.